and here we are, Thelma and Tom look left. Uh, we have lost track of how many episodes we've done and uh, my internet connection went down just as I was trying to find out. So it's somewhere in the late 30s, I think. Anyway, Thelma, lovely to see you and uh, some great, uh, great positive news to start the podcast off. So, um, yeah, what about PAL? Oh, oh I know, I know. It's been such an exciting few days. Um, when things have come together, you know, it's that really good feeling. Uh, People's Alliance of the Left, which you know that we've been meeting, uh, well, for many months now, really, um, with leaders of ca different campaigns, national campaigns, um, and leaders of the smaller uh, left parties um, and we've been working towards having our own social media account and I know it doesn't sound uh, big or anything like that but um, we, we're just kind of dipping our toe into, into getting out there and engaging um, with, with people um, well not just on the left but, but with communities and individuals and different campaigns and we launched the Twitter account just yesterday morning, and you, you won't believe it, within 24 hours, we've got four and a half thousand followers. And it, we're just gobsmacked because we were just talking and saying, well, if we get 200 by lunchtime, <laughs> you know? and, uh, and there's just, there's been, well, overwhelming support and interest in, in what we're doing and it's just been so heartening because and, and I know a lot of people will say well you're just really 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 small and what difference can you make um, and people who are still in Labour you know suggest oh well you're taking votes away from Labour but actually what we're doing is is bringing um, people well socialists uh, together um, in different ways, really, as, as I say, through campaigns and through these smaller political parties who, who share a policy platform um, and are coming together in an alliance to work on an electoral strategy for the future. Um, and we're so delighted that we can also announce that the Liverpool Community Independence, led by Anna Rothery, have joined with the smaller political parties of Breakthrough, Left Unity and Northern Independence Party. And um, we're hoping it's going to grow from here. Um, but we're going to be working uh, closely together, um, or they're going to be working closely together, with the support of the other members of PAL, which is the leaders of the campaign groups. Um, and uh, I know that Anna, with the Liverpool Independents, are, are, are seeking people to stand um, in, in forthcoming elections. Um, and so it's, it's really quite exciting. And uh, there's such good people to work with. Um, and the our positive ethos is there, Tom. You know that that hope we had uh, with Jeremy John and uh, you know and, and those years from uh, sixteen uh, two thousand sixteen onwards. Um, it, you know that that similar policies, but I would say more radical policies, which are needed for the times we're in. But but the interest so far, you can see that people are wanting so much for change, wanting an alternative, wanting somewhere else to go. Um, and yeah, we are small, but we're, what we're trying to do is take it step at a time, being organised, working with others, reaching out uh, to others, 
um, uh, collaborating and, and staying true to our principles and values. Uh, and I think that's really important because what I'm seeing, and I'm sure you'll agree, Tom, is that's not the case for Labour now, that they, you know, they, they've just forgotten. Uh, I think they've forgotten what socialism is. Um, so um, watch this space, Tom. We're, you know, really exciting, very busy. Um, and, um, and we're hoping we're, we're going to grow from here. Um, and, and what's important as well is that we're not just an online social media um, organisation. This is, this is about grassroots campaigning, and I know that Breakthrough's got uh, a weekend of, you know, kind of uh, action weekend uh, of working in the communities all over the country. And I know Left Unity have got a conference coming up beginning of December and we'll put all this information on, on Twitter um, and update people with, with what we're doing and, and give information about the memorandum of understanding that these political parties have signed up to and agreed to and explain um, what it is that they're working together on and, and what those principles are. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's lovely to, to talk about something positive and, and moving forward. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely essential that we we have got something now. Well, I say now, there's always positive stuff going on, but this mm -hmm. is quite a, a significant moment, I feel, where we know there are thousands and thousands of people out there that want something to happen on the left, where we can all come together in some kind of unified organisation. And, and I know you're very good at, you know, step by step and all that, I tend to get overexcited and think, oh, here we go, here we go. Uh, uh, and I know it's good to take a step at a time and make sure everything's right and everything's correct. And I know that's what Powell have done, because I've watched this from the start before even Powell has heard about, we've talked about it, and it's been very thorough and very carefully done so that there are, there, if you know, I can't think of a polite way of saying it, so there's no crap there. And, <laughs> and, um, and that's what the people want. We've seen enough, to be honest, of what happened to our movement in, you know, in the few years where we looked like we could do something and we got completely ripped to pieces by, well, stuff, awful things. Uh, I don't need to go into that. And it's so easy to dwell on that and to dig over it, all that thing. But now hopefully we can start building on this and to say it's it's not a small number four thousand four and a half thousand is not a small number you think well not in 24 hours tom yeah. just in 24 hours you know yeah and i mean those people the vast majority of those people following on twitter and this is just on twitter there are other things twitter isn't everything you know of those four and a half thousand on Twitter, a, a high percentage of those people are going to be people that actually want to make a contribution towards mm -hmm. socialism. And uh, so I'm I'm very heartened, Thelma, by what's happened, and I'm surprised. I say that I was a bit I, I wouldn't I, I would have expected more than two hundred, but you do kind of see so many people have had to try and. You know, I mean, uh, Ken Loach, I think, tried and I think, you know, they've worked really hard. These organisations, Breakthrough, have worked really hard. I knew there are other organisations that aren't involved with 
pal that are working really hard for, with the same aims, really, with the same goals, and hopefully eventually we can all come together under an umbrella. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, all good, all good. And, and, yeah. and well done, Thelma. I, I take my hat off to you for, and your fellow workers. Oh, you yeah, think? certainly. It's not just me, obviously. I mean, I chair it, but... Um, and I you know, obviously I've tried really hard at the beginning to bring people together, but the there's, there's some really skilled, experienced people um, of all age groups as well and from all over the country that are involved and supporting each other. And it's it's also that solidarity with the wider group, you know, including the, uh, the campaign groups that are with PAL, uh, of, of, you know, publicising each other's events and campaigns uh, and... Uh, and just supporting each other as I say you know the ethos is is really positive um and really supportive um and and so far you know we've not got the kind of egos going on that can happen in politics uh where it's one person just wanting to be it and yeah uh, you know all, all that arrogance that can be there that spoils things I think very often um so we are thorough we are methodical as well so there's that operational side and the organization that's very important um but also the value base you know the principles um and that shared as I say policy platform which is so important and so important for the times that we're living through really um so um Twitter um, I mean, I think you know, kind of moving on to the whole big t- what's happening with Twitter at the moment. I, it did make me smile though, because all this work we've put into, because um, obviously with no funding, with we're not a political organisation as such, um, you know, in terms of um, PAL, um, there's no funding there. Obviously, there is for the smaller political parties, but that doesn't feed into PAL. So it's taken us a while to to actually get through voluntary help to get our uh, logo and to get the uh, Twitter account out. But then you get people putting on, one or two putting on, well, are you going on Mastodon? (laughs) 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 So uh, so I'm thinking, hang on, just let's do this a step at a time because we are small at the moment, uh, or smallish now. And uh, personally, I don't know about you, Tom, but I have... I have actually gone on Mastodon, uh, but I'm just dipping my toe at the moment and and see it as a a kind of fallback situation if Twitter does actually uh, completely crash and burn. I don't know what your thoughts are on Twitter, but it's definitely the takeover by Elon Musk has definitely changed the culture. And if you can have that on a, a platform like that, a social media platform, but it certainly seems to have changed things. I don't know what you think. Yeah, Twitter's inter- a really interesting thing because what he's done one way or another is reduced the staffing levels of this organisation by quite a lot, like about 80%, I think. And um, and it's still going. And um, But it's a, like I've seen people say, well, if you, you know, if your car runs out of petrol going down a hill, it'll get to the bottom of the hill before it stops. And uh, and that's kind of how they think what's going to happen to Twitter. But to be honest, we don't actually know what's going to happen to Twitter. Uh, at the moment, it seems to be running OK for me. But I see other people on there who are who it's not working properly for. People have lost their followers and and uh, so on and so on. I'm doing OK on there. At first, I thought, oh, no one's seeing my stuff. And that, but it's you never quite know with your tweets, do you, whether they're they're not getting a response because they're not very good or whether they're not getting a response because certain algorithms or whatever, which I don't totally understand what they are, or 
sometimes you'll put a tweet up and it, off it'll go and you just think oh yeah that's really good uh, and, and and me being me I kind of look at the tweet and analyze it and think well what have I put in there that made that work and uh, I, I still haven't worked out Thelma you, you'll have to give me a lesson one day but um, <laughs> it is it's it's great fun and it's a great place to get your political news and and to keep up with what's really going on because amidst our circle on Twitter which includes people drifting in from other political persuasions and having a comment here and a comment there, you get, an, there's no angle really. I mean, I suppose some people could argue, well, the left angle is in there because it's for people on the left, but but it's it's different to reading it in The Guardian or, or the, the Times or any of those places or listening to BBC, it's different. It feels like it's the real news. And it's always balanced out. Someone comes on and says something, and there's always someone else in there that gives you the other side of it. It's a, I think it's an invaluable resource, and I would be sad to see it go. If it does, we have to move on, don't we? And that, that will be sad. But yeah, it's been I, a huge help for PAL, for PAL, hasn't it, really? Oh, oh, oh most definitely. I, I mean, I love the immediacy of it. Um, I mean, I sometimes think it's lost the essence of how it began in that it was meant to be kind of the idea of Twitter was just like meant to be a stream of consciousness or you know kind of quick sound bites uh, a thought on something and and it's become much more than that where it's become it can you know a political platform for some and very lengthy um uh, kind of uh, uh, posts uh, with a narrative and a thread that goes on forever and um so it's it's changed quite a bit um but i love the immediacy of it um i mean i always take anything with a pinch of salt in terms of wanting to look at all perspectives if i can um but i do think as you were saying that um, i've learned a lot I've, I've met some great people, um, you know, on the platform. I, I think there's a lot of humour on there that I enjoy as well, and banter. But but you 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 do. I've I've been informed on things that I I didn't previously um, understand or get, um, and and feel that sometimes when I do pick a hard copy of a newspaper up, which I do occasionally, um, that that that's dated. You know, by the time you've you've yeah, looked on, on Twitter, it, you think, oh, I know about that already um and, and so that immediacy of of knowing what is happening and being connected it is very important and and of course i do uh, follow some people who are not um my politics because i think it's important that you um keep your eyes open and your ears open to to what uh, people are thinking more broadly and connecting to uh, the people's alliance that there were 15 million plus people who didn't vote in the last general election. And it's it's that reaching out and understanding where those people um, in particular are coming from and, and what, what needs to happen to win those people over um, and to get them out to vote. Because that we saw a little bit of that in America, didn't we? Um, just in the midterms just recently, where, you know, you get that, that, that demographic that perhaps previously has thought, mm, there's nobody speaking for me, or I can't be bothered uh, to go out there because I won't see any change. Um, that we, it's those, it's those people who are not turning out to vote that we need to say, this alliance 
can can answer those questions the you know the cost of living what this government are doing to um, ordinary people is is just absolutely appalling um in in terms of you know kind of survival as i say the cost of greed really um and what we're facing but also the the taking away our liberties and our democracy and the right to for peaceful peaceful protest as we speak is being taken away from us um and all of that is happening and it it, it does need it, it does need to offer people, we do need to offer people an alternative. I mean, if you think about it, Thelma, this is quite interesting because when the movement began in 2015, 2016, and it grew really rapidly into a very powerful force, and a, and a huge part of that movement were the young, young people. Mm. Uh, you know, the kids, it, I, I think I'm allowed to say that at my age, but, you know, people in their 20s, 30s uh, were politicised and saying, yes, at last someone's saying something that relates, that we can relate to. Now, they didn't get that off Twitter. They're not on Twitter any more than the average people are. Uh, but somehow they got hold of that. Now, whether they got hold of that through other platforms, which I don't know about, like, well, there's things on there, Instagram and um, Facebook and um, TikTok. TikTok and stuff. Yeah. You know, it may end up that pal will have to. I mean, those are the people we need, and those are the yeah. people that are waiting for it yeah. to happen. Uh, yeah. And maybe aren't in a position to to or don't have the experience, perhaps, to make something like uh, a left movement happen. But once it starts happening, they're going to be the ones that go, "Yeah, now here we go. Someone's saying it at last again." And um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. I think I think what you say about that movement that grew up, um, you know, when Jeremy became leader, I think there was also that connection with the creative industries and music industry um, that young people connected with, uh, you know, like Stormzy and, you, you know, people like that, that, that had a big global platform. Um, and it spoke to young people through, as I say, that connection and support for creative arts. And I think this is why this government come down so hard, you know, in terms of funding uh, for music and creative arts and all that sector, when people challenge, question, create, um, uh, the, all, all of that. Um, is totally uh, opposite, opposite to this government and what they want. They want to keep people in their boxes, don't they? Um, yeah. And 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 serve, um, <laughs> you know, the the elite class, and that that's what they want. That's what the attacks on our democracy and the legislation on that it is all about. But there's also moving into our education system. Uh, that control uh, and that narrowing of the curriculum and you, 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 you're seeing that withdrawal of funding for different arts groups and creative industries and those restrictions around that because people that create, people that challenge, people that make others question their actions um, are not what this government wants, are they? <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely right and I think that uh, the job of uh, the job of the left really would be well. I'm I'm surprised the government haven't tweaked this really. Maybe they have already. But I mean, if they pulled out the plug on the internet, where, how would we do it? We wouldn't have the newspapers. We haven't got them. They're in the hands of the establishment. 
we we've got musicians, uh, but how how do they get out there? I mean, back in the sixties and seventies, before the I mean, it did happen, didn't it, through television? I suppose. I mean, I remember when the Rolling Stones came on the television. It was like, oh my God, you know, this is revolution, uh, and um, and it affected everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, my mum was like quite cheered up by the fact that there was someone coming on there, you know, telling them where to go, kind of thing. When you think about some of these countries where with extremely oppressive regimes, uh, it, it, the the governments there have clearly wherever they see the possibility of the people getting above themselves as they would have it they clamp down you know you're not allowed to talk about this you're not allowed to talk about that you're not allowed to wear this you're not allowed to wear that you're not allowed to listen to this kind of music well that kind of links to the what's happening with the world cup at the moment doesn't it tom if you if you think about you know the kind of authoritarian oppressive regimes and what's just happened i mean i'm not I'm not watching it, but you can't fail to on the news. You, you know, you you do see clips of of what what happened with the. Um, you you I think you mentioned it to me earlier when we weren't recording um, about the Iranian team not singing um, the national. Yeah, it was a really there. moving moment, uh, Thelma. You couldn't help but feel it. Uh, the you know, there's a country that's. I mean, I've been to that country. When I went to that country, the the Czar of Iran was the uh, like the ruler, and he was a Western puppet. But the fact was that you could move around freely in that country at that time, and the people were wearing uh, the the what they wanted. And mm. um, a couple of years after I'd been there, and it wasn't it, a couple of years later that got taken uh, smashed, and the uh, revolution happened i can't remember the actual terms of culture it wasn't cultural revolution but the i think khomeini or whatever one of those kind of guys took over and they, and enforced this extremely strict religious mm. dogma onto the people uh, yeah. which included in severe repression of women's rights yeah. and it, uh, it was no longer safe to go there or through there you had to fly around or or go fly over or go by ship to get get yeah. through that bit of the world. Patriarchy, isn't it? I, th I think for me, though, even though I'm not following the World Cup, being brave enough under that regime to stand there in the stadium and refuse to sing your national anthem, knowing what the repercussions could be, you know, where we've got our footballers, and I don't blame the footballers at all for it, but FIFA saying, you can't wear the love is love armbands, you know, because yeah. you risk getting a yellow card, etc. And we can't even do that. And these people, you know, a, a bit like we've got the protesters um, at, at the moment being arrested, you know, protesting against climate change and, and spending time in a cell while we've got the COP27 oligarchs flying uh, into Egypt, you know, and you've got the protesters who were fighting for our future and the survival of the planet ending up in a in a prison cell. And the, you just think the world's going yeah. topsy-turvy. It's yeah, the injustice of right. it, you know. <clears throat> These brave people, I think back to the suffragettes, you think you think back to Nelson Mandela, you know, you, you think back to Rosa Parks and all these people who've challenged authority, challenged the system for social fighting for social justice. And if they hadn't have done that, you know, as a woman, would I have ever 
would I have ever gone to Parliament? You know, would I have ever become an MP if the suffragettes hadn't have done what they did? You know, and yet at the moment we we just hear you know these these people that are stopping people from driving to work because they're blocking the M25 or whatever. When you look through history, if you haven't caused disruption, and I don't mean harming anybody, I'm talking about peaceful protest here. That if you know if you look back through history, uh, if you haven't caused disruption, there's not been change, big change brought about uh, in terms of social justice uh, and environmental and climate justice. We're talking about now, um, but then again, if you look at again, you know, linking the two, but like what's happening with the World Cup at the moment and that lack of inclusion. So yeah, the world just feels as if the wrong people are ended up in prison. And we get, yeah. you know, get our former health secretary in the jungle in Australia being paid allegedly £400,000. You know, you just think, oh, what's going on? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny, it's a very funny situation we're in. And it does feel, I, I know there are these people that um, I sometimes worry that I might be one of them that think, uh, <laughs> I think they're called an end end of something where you where you think oh you get this kind of psychological state where you think we're we're coming to the end the problems pressure's too great it's all going to go up and and I slightly feel like that a lot of the time in my life that this this society cannot go on this economy can't struggle on anymore this world can't this kind of oppression it cannot go on the people can't take it but it just seems to keep rolling keep rolling keep rolling but I do I do think it's the job of the left and someone said to me the other day why do you do this Tom why are you so like I, I wasn't even uptight really but I was going off on one a little bit and they <laughs> said why why don't you chill and I was like no I, I feel like it's my duty now I've had a lucky life I've had a good life and the, and the life's been you know given yeah. me a lot and I feel like I want to give back now I've got I, I I kind of understand a lot of what's going on now and and I've I want to say something about it. And if I can help it to be better in some way, and they kind of looking at me like, oh, okay. Like, and I no, but it's true, Tom. You, you, well, you're a good person. Um, and I think anybody with any kind of moral purpose, uh, you know, um, does want to make a difference. And, and, and you are kind-hearted, but you are also aware, I suppose, more of the system. I feel this last few years, I understand more about how the system works and you know I understand the history more I think as well of in particular the Labour Party and that's why I have no conscience at all about saying we need to offer an alternative because we just go round we just go round and round and it's almost like the Tories to be honest are now almost saying oh we're worn out (laughs) we'll hand this over at the next election to Labour they can pick up all the mess take the blame for it for one term we'll regroup and we'll come back and it's like a tag team every few years like 18 years of the Tories uh, when John Major went you you know you felt like Labour were ready Um, then when Labour had been in for three terms um, when Gordon Brown uh, the last one was Gordon Brown um, and you felt you know I saw in education Michael Gove and Cummings were ready to go with education Within weeks, everything changed. They've been waiting. And it's almost like they catch the breath and then they hand over. And it's that two-party system, which has gone on and on and on. And people who say, oh, we need to stay in and fight, 
I'm sorry, but we've seen that. <laughs> we've seen that. And we end up, we're in, if, it, if that worked, then we wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. Um, and that's yeah, We have to call it out, Thelma. It's our duty to call it out. And that's why, you know, um, I mean, a little bit of sort of semi-good news this week was Ian Byrne winning the his local thing. I mean, it was almost a stitch-up. He only won by 12, and, and he could easily have been thrown out. The whole thing was corrupt from top to bottom and why i i mean i we've met ian on this pro on this podcast he's a lovely bloke mm. uh, we've met a lot of those people out of the scg on this podcast that without fail they're nice people honest people good good intentions what are they doing i don't understand it i wish someone would come on and explain <laughs> themselves yeah i i think it's it is just that belief in labor uh you know as <laughs> as a brand, as a, as a party, the history of it, the being in Westminster, you can get sucked into that Westminster and believe that's the only way. And you can't, you can't always, I mean, one, one member who will be nameless said to me when I was first considering leaving Labour, oh, but people, when they go into that, um, you know, they, they've got the ballot paper and they're about to vote, They'll always look for that brand of Labour. <laughs> They'll always, the vast majority will end up voting Labour just because they always have, and you'll end up losing. And I thought, yeah, but that now, the Labour brand is so toxic, I believe, that I'm not necessarily sure that that is going to happen. I think the wit, I mean, God, because the Tories are so bad, I, you know, I, I just... I think Labour will win, uh, but ordinary people won't win. <laughs> um, and certainly, you know, this austerity too. Um, I, I think this autumn statement, um, I, I think that Labour are going to go with it. I think this, you know, planned austerity too, that I think Labour, uh, they've made a few noises against Sunak's proposals and plans and Hunt's plans, but... Um, they they are going to go with it. They're not going to vote against it, which to my mind makes them complicit. Yeah, they don't seem to have a, a single intention of of going anywhere near uh, what I would call left. I mean, astonishing today. Starmer comes out with something one day, and I think, oh, oh, blimey, that's good. And then the next day comes out with something else. Then you just think, what? And uh, like this morning, he came out with a thing on immigration. He's really got a problem with it, hasn't he? Uh, and uh, I, I just can't help thinking straight away, this is about votes. And, yeah. and then Nigel Farage stands up and, and says, oh, well done to Starmer for, for that. And you just think, this is incredible. Yeah, they've become UKIP, haven't they? I mean, that you, you know, the, the thing, every day they just seem to go lower. When I've just thought, well, they can't go any lower, they they just do. I mean, to think, you know, a, a, you know, a socialist, what was a socialist party, could be coming out with rhetoric like this, and it 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 just well, it breaks my heart, but it just give, makes me just think, no, we keep we keep battling on against that kind of language and, and rhetoric. And uh, I, I just think they think it's a vote winner. And it's almost like that front bench. All they care about is winning. That's yeah. that's all they care about. And whatever they need to say, um, they'll say it to win the votes. And, and also, I find it as a northerner, highly insulting that it's you know they're meant to be speaking to the red wall voters 
as if everybody up north's a racist bigot, you know. And um, I, I just think the value. Um, I mean, we're an internationalist party, and should be, um, and the value of, of people coming to live from around the world in our country, uh, culturally, apart from economically, uh, of, of, what, of what those people um, have offered and do offer to our society. And, and when Labour are coming out with statements like this, it just it just breaks my heart, you know? I, I just think it's awful. But anyway, we move on and we work to offer an alternative. We do, and actually let's, let's talk about that because I, I do think one of the things that a lot happens, an awful lot to the left, is they get distracted by talking about other people's business in a way and what the business of the left is really is to present a, an alternative that works and and I have noticed very strongly that when you talk about redistribution, redistribution of wealth for example you don't get much response from the right because they don't know what to say they don't know how to justify their greed they don't know what to say about why some people should have huge amounts of wealth and some people should be on the streets freezing and starving. They haven't got the answers to that. And that's the subjects that I think the left should be talking about and offering solutions for. Uh, and I'm, I very much hope, well, I know this will be the case, that PAL uh, and the organisations that make up PAL are going to present a positive case for the left, which we desperately need. And uh, I, I know I'm probably jumping the gun here, but my hope would be that it won't be too long before PAL is uh, a really, uh, like a, a brand, a, an instantly recognisable brand for the progressive left. And I thought what was really good yesterday was when it was really taking off and, and the numbers were going up, they put up straight away the uh, their... Um, not manifesto, but their... The um, MOU, yeah, the mem memorandum. Yeah. And, so, yeah, yeah, and so everybody could see this is what this is about. And you can't fault it. I, I don't think anyone could fault it, really. It's There's nothing on there that you would go, well, that's wrong, we should be racially prejudiced, or or it, it's it's yeah. it's just right on. And, yeah. and we just need to keep pushing that and saying to people, look, we're here now. And another thing that I think is good about it, Thelma, and, and then I'll shut up, is that, you know, for, for months and months and months, I thought this isn't going to happen on the left until we get a big leader. And I now think, I'm now slightly thinking differently to that. It's almost, it, I can see the people are ready and the leaders aren't. And and uh, if if we can present the organisation and to everybody or or say, look, it's here if you want to join it and help make it happen, yeah. We can probably do it. Why not? Yeah. And, and if, if the big leaders want to come in and help us, well, that's absolutely brilliant. But um, I think yeah. we've got to go and we've got to carry on and, and make it happen. I, I think so, too. I, I think one of the things I've learned in particular from Left Unity, I think, because they started, I mean, that was what Ken Loach um, kind of worked on and initiated. Um, and and they they work on the they, they started a new party and um, and they work on the idea that there, there is no one figurehead. 
Um, and and that there are a group of, I suppose, exec, members of the exec, but different people take on different responsibilities and are the focus for a particular um, event or campaign. And, and it's almost like you share it out because what we've seen, uh, certainly through recent history, is that the any left-wing leader like Michael Foote or, or Jeremy Corbyn, they target them, um, the establishment target them, um, and all the energy and time is spent deflecting criticisms and smears. Um, and we've seen a history of that, haven't we, with left-wing leaders? Yeah. And I think that, that, that it avoids that, really. Um, I mean, one of the things you see with, if I take, for instance, Mick Lynch and what, what they've tried to do to him, but he's got a good deputy uh, or vice chair, whatever he is, in Eddie Dempsey, who is equally... Uh, strong and articulate and brave and principled so when they have a go at Mick Lynch I mean Mick Lynch can stick up for himself he doesn't need anybody else to do that but there's also Eddie Dempsey as well and if you've got a few really strong articulate people to to front things I think that it's it's kind of divides and and lessens the pressure somewhat um, so I think I think that's quite an important take uh, takeaway I've got from how Left Unity have organised it. I mean, there are leaders of, like, Alex Mays is the leader of Breakthrough Party. So, so you know, you, you've got a new elected leader of Northern Independence Party in David Heaven, um, who perhaps we should have on uh, here one time, um, uh, Tom. Um, but but they are not massive egos, as it were. Um, they, they may be the founders and leaders, but they are very much up for, as our left unity, and, and as is Anna Rothery, um, leader of Liverpool Community Independence, to working collaboratively um, and sharing that policy platform. So I think that that is the way forward. I mean, I would I would just love, we mentioned Ian Byrne before, but I, any of those um, uh, people who I'm, I'm very fond of um, in the Socialist Campaign Group, if we could get some really big hitters to join us. I mean, we have got the Baker's Union support. I don't know what the full title of it is, Food and Allied Workers Union, Ian Hodson, um, uh, supporting um, uh, our PAL uh, organisation. Uh, and that's brilliant. Um, but if we could get more union interest uh, and support, I think, I think that would be good. But as I say, if we could get some of... If we could get some big hitters um, in the SCG to be brave enough to actually take that step, um, because we only need one pal MP, you know, we have, we you just need one to get in there, and and, it, and one person can make a massive difference because, and especially if they did a really good, effective job, uh, others will follow. That that's what I think, um, and if we can get people to stand under the power umbrella or for one of the um, political parties, um, both at local uh, council level and at parliamentary level, we won't have a lot of candidates at first. This will have to grow, but you know, I'm beginning to think with the amount of following we got within 24 hours, I I, I do feel that there's I don't know the enough is enough campaign obviously got all that support so all those people who are interested in the enough is enough campaign which i can understand why 
but it seems to be very much linked to and embedded still with labour. And I'm I'm not seeing anything coming out of it in terms of a different electoral strategy or candidates coming from it to stand in seats as independents or, I don't know, enough is enough candidates. I don't know how it would work that. But I'm not seeing anything really changing in terms of offering an alternative to actually vote for. And and that's what we're working on. We, We want to offer people a genuine alternative. Yeah, I think I think really it's really important that it gets to a point where <clears throat> there's one. I know you were saying we might stand under the different parties. We, we've got to go beyond that, Thelma. I think we need the brand, and people need to be able to see Pal or whatever we decide in the end, and that needs to be everywhere. Um, we don't need to be. Oh, we're a member of PAL as an adult, mm. uh, especially as the numbers grow. I mean, there's going to be way more people in, uh, signing up. They're not signing up, but, you know, giving allegiance to PAL than there are to any of the smaller organisations. And PAL will become the overarching thing, ultimately, uh, I would imagine. I mean, I've, I haven't been involved in the organisational stuff, so I don't know, but... Um, well, you're, you're a big supporter, Tom, and we're grateful for I, that. I'm a huge supporter, Thelma, and I, 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 I would strongly advise everybody to check it out. It's the, it's the ethos that is correct. And, the, uh, and this is important, I think, also, that because it's coming from the people, and, and we're not following a leader as yet, it's coming from the people, and the people are the leaders, and, and it isn't going to be a people-led organisation. So if the ethos can't really stray under those circumstances. It generally takes some a strong personality to knock things off track by taking people with them on some crazy side issue. Uh, we, we really mustn't let that happen. And, and I, I'm sure it's in good hands. Uh, well, that, that certainly from my point of view, in terms of the, the kind of team that you know i'm working with they're just lovely people uh with good hearts and the right principles and and for me always in anything really not just politics i think being consistent is really really important so that people trust you that you're not going to say one thing one minute and then and and then change your mind <laughs> the next minute just to get votes or just to be popular um and that's not what we're about and if if we don't grow uh, so quickly but we do eventually you know and it takes time i'd prefer to have something that is genuine and real and consistent and honest um and i know my thoughts are shared with the people that I'm working with then I I, because I think that's what's gone wrong with politics I think I think it's that chasing the votes people into their careers and some corruption I would say has has spoiled well has has led to people not trusting politicians or politics and especially with what's been happening over this last few years and I, I just think we need to restore that trust uh, and uh, and I think that that being consistent and and being honest um, is is really important. Yeah, great place to leave it. Really nice, uh, Thelma, and, and nice to have a, a, an episode of Thelma and Tom left predominantly talking about something that we hope is going to turn into something really, really worthwhile and good. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say goodbye and I'll hand over to Thelma. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Tom. It's been really good to talk to you. And yeah, you're right. It's been wonderful to talk about something positive and think about the future optimistically. I'll just leave us with um, an ancient proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Solidarity. Solidarity. Solidarity.